Come back, darling. Kingston Town can't win. He got checked, the champ. It's going to get desperate. But a champion becomes a legend. From, from, from the card leave in the pool. Gate holes months ago. Go red and look at him go. Here he comes. Boom, right over the top. Brother Bush, it is 15, Lance Clare. He is a good horse, like Harry said. She'll have to pogo stick over the field to win from there. Strike me pinky, thread at the eye of the needle. Can he stay puff? He'd stay till closing time. This could be set up for something special. Cassidy had the pull to whip. It's coming again. That's Dex. He loves it and wins. What an outstanding racehorse. Welcome to the Racing and Sports in the Office podcast, the review show. Still no Simon Dinopoulos. He's off on the honeymoon now, but... I'm joined by Brad Bishop down in Victoria. Abel, stand in. Very happy to be here once again. I'm, I'm very disappointed we couldn't tinker with the intro, though, and get Matty Hill's marvellous call of overpass taking out the English, splint, uh, English sprint yeah. there at Flemington on Saturday. That Pay was the cowards. The for the cowards. <laughs> well, I'll have to get that spliced on in there, actually, for next week. That's going <laughs> in for sure and certain. It was a good weekend of, uh, of racing. Yeah, it was a fantastic uh, weekend. Um, contrasting conditions, which is what we've been dealing with um, the past couple of weeks with heavy tens up in Sydney. Now we're on a soft track here in Melbourne, but the um, I, the one prediction I did get right um, outside of overpass as well, but that was the coward's way out, as you pointed out on Friday, was when the rain was going to fall. Um, unfortunately, the the Wallen boys got a start in the under thirteens cricket, and they got rolled. They finished on top, but got uh, bundled out in the oh, first no. semi final. But what it did mean was that most of the bad conditions had cleared before the racing had started and we're on a pretty good surface there at Flemington. Um, I don't think there were too many that were complaining about what they were dealing with there. So given that we had quite a bit of rainfall, uh, Flemington stood tall once again. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it always does. And, and you're right, it was a, a perfect surface probably on the soft side, a good good side of soft somewhere in, in there. And, and yeah, I, I wouldn't have thought there'd be too many horses that'd be throwing up the, the ground as an excuse. And to be fair to Ramwick, I mean, obviously it was... Um, wet track racing, but for the amount of rain they've had up there to, to get through 20 races in two weeks the way they did at Ramwick was, um, yeah, that was it actually raced quite well. It was not as if it was um, absolute chaos and the, and the results were, were worth not much, So um, although there was one race there that uh, <laughs> takes a little bit of explaining. But for the most part, it, I had the same, well, splitting hairs, basically the, the same figure on, on the Ramwick track this week that I had last week, bar the, um, the shoot was a bit heavier last week. But... I think they kept it into that um, genuine heavy range, but not not outrageous. So, um, yeah, both tracks can um, can take a bow for for the way they race there on Saturday. So the Ramwick Guineas was um, we'll get straight into it, and, and the awards and the highest rated horse from the the weekend was the the Ramwick Guineas winner, and that was Converge, who ran to 123, beating the 123 rated Animo, who was just a pound off his best. The two of them pulling clear there, so it outrated. It might not have any bigger future than perhaps a couple out of the Australian Guineas, but it outrated the Australian Guineas as it has a, a little tendency to do. And, um, yeah, it was that – we spoke about it last week. It, it sort of had the pointier field, if you like, and the, the deeper field was at Flemington. So it was um, it was probably harder to run fourth at Flemington than, than it was at Ramwick, but it was harder to, to win at Ramwick with those two, three big colts, really. And we see that in, in the margins as well. It's actually um, – the margins back to fourth was – twice the historical average in the Ramwick Guineas and the, the margin back to fifth was even a bit more than that, times the historical average and, and the biggest margins to fourth and fifth in the history of the Ramwick Guineas in its current shape. So um, that sort of speaks to the, the quality of that race. So Converge, big new peak from him. Easy enough to, to foresee, but we were, I was talking about it being 
maybe even one before his real peak, which would be in a Rose Hill Guineas up over 2,000 metres because I think he's going to eat 2,000 metres convergent. Nothing he did there on Saturday tells me otherwise either. So, um, yeah, 123 might be a number that, that he can better. I'm not sure if Animo can now, but he did finish fastest, and I saw there was some there was some suggestion that this was a performance that sort of knocked his reputation a little bit, but um, I find that hard to believe. As I said, this is a, a high-rating Guineas, and he's clearly finished fastest of all in, in that high-rating Guineas. So... Um, a fifth run over 120 for him, and a rating of 122 here wins most Ramwick Guineas. He's, he's above the average for a winner in a Ramwick Guineas himself, Animo. So the first two, I think, walk away um, covered in glory. Well, just on him, there was a bit of chat. Um, I chimed into someone on Twitter on Saturday night, actually, around Animo, and some suggesting that he might not be the, the best cop we've got. I think on, on what we've seen to date, um, You're forgetting one. He's got to have. He's got to have top billing, doesn't he? I don't think so. Do you remember what happened at Flemington two weeks ago? Uh, yes, with the, the yeah the sprinters. Yes, that's yeah. fair enough. Um, <laughs> I think Home Affairs has uh, wrestled that title away from him in the Coolmore and yeah. con- confirmed it in the Lightning. He seems to get a little bit forgotten there. Home Affairs, poor bugger. Yeah, I think <laughs> that I think he's, that, he's I, not poor. I'll tell you that much. He's. Uh, um, I think that I think the chat was around the group that are. That sort, sort of, of mile, middle point. distance. Yeah, in the, the mile for 2,000 metres. And the good, the good thing about them is uh, it, it might not happen, but there's a prospect that we, we, we are going to see at least two or three of them clash several times um, over the course of the, the remainder of the Autumn Carnival. It might even be that um, they all bob up in the Queen Elizabeth and that would be some sort of yeah. clash um, a little bit later on. But um, it, it's good that this sort of debate's happening because it means that we've got a pretty good crop that we can um, look forward to seeing on the track. Absolutely right. I think one of the, the really nice things about it, I mean, draw Hitotsu into that conversation as well, is there's, they're bred to be milers and even mile and a quarter horses. So um, Converge, Animo and Hitotsu are all um, obviously high-quality horses at a mile, um, all 120 or, or probably going to prove even better than that at a mile. But... Um, We've seen, obviously, we haven't seen Converge over a little bit further yet, but we've seen Animo run right to his peak in a Cox Plate, in a testing Cox Plate. So he's um, he's outstanding from 1,200 to, to 2,040 metres, which is a credit to him and something he deserves a lot of um, a lot of respect for. The ability to go that range of trips and, and on all ground is um, tip of the hat to Animo. He might not be the 126.7 Colt that some of them, you know, might not have the peaks of a bivouac or something, you know, even in a Stern who have... Um, flown the, the blue jacket flag over, over recent years, but he's, he's certainly got them for versatility and consistency. He's got five runs over 120 now. So to see them continue to, to clash is, is terrific. It's what we want in our racing. It's what we seem to, you know, we all look back fondly at the days of these, you know, big colts clashing and, and here they are. And, and I can't understand why anyone would want to be knocking Animo turning up and running as well as he has, as often as he has. But yeah, there's still plenty more to look forward to with all of them as well. So, um, they're all going to be at least as good, as I said, over over 2,000 metres. So maybe the Queen Elizabeth is destination number one for, for all of them. And Halal on track for the Doncaster, we think. Is that, is that where he's likely to head? Yeah, he's, he's just setting himself up with a, a beautiful profile for, for that race now. Although I suppose that the other question is, do... I think it was mentioned with Hitotsu that maybe he would even use the Doncaster as the springboard to the the Queen Elizabeth if he if he didn't do the the Derby backup the the Doncaster backup so they'll have to pick and choose that way but I'll I'll tell you what whichever way the stable does choose I'll be trusting them. Yeah, I did mention that on Friday. I said I I, um, I doubted them once 
uh, with him going into the derby off such a light prep, jumping from 1,600 to 2,500. But I wasn't going to make the same mistake uh, again last time around. I didn't have him on top, but um, certainly had him in the quarter and in my reckoning. And I think what they've been able to do with him and defying history on a couple of occasions with him would have to have them right up there as leading contenders in sort of training performance of the year down here in Victoria, I think, when we get to the, the Fred Hoisted Award, which will be given out later on in the year. Oh, win that in a cakewalk, I would imagine. They are. They're playing by their own rules. Their stats beyond a mile are just outstanding. And, um, yeah, I wonder when, when Kieran Ma had that little stint, um, got rubbed out for all the business there with Ascadelia, I wonder if that was sort of the making. Like, travelled the world and spent some time, you know, down the tools and went, went around the world and sort of, I think he had a peek in at um, Willie Mullins joint, maybe Joseph O'Brien's, a few others. I'm, I'm not sure. I can't remember. But I remember him sort of tweeting about it at the time as he travelled the world and looked at all these different training facilities and he's come back. He's got David Eustace, who's obviously pretty clued up himself. And, and between them, they're obviously playing, as I said, they're playing by a different set of rules and, and you can trust them to, to have their horses ready to go in in pretty much any any scenario. You don't sort of have to go looking for old um, history says with, with Martin Eustace at the moment. No, hundred percent. And um, just on them, out of the guineas, what do we make of the performance there of Profondo? I imagine he'd be a pretty, pretty hard horse to rate off off a performance like that. And what sort of what do we do with Profondo? Do you, yeah, what what sort of weight do you put in all those negatives that came out of that from from him, like the, the lugging off the track, the wide run, the all the interference he caused? He was um, he was a bit of a troublemaker there on Saturday. Yeah, it is a bit of a well. We we can actually announce the second award there. I'll give him the he gets the flop for mine. Um, there's probably some debate there. We can we can have a little look at Nature Strip as well. But um, he ran to 96 off a off a rating of 118, and we were sort of hopeful, I suppose, that like like Hitotsu, he'd he'd pick up where he left off. He he certainly didn't. He did. It was a high pressure guinea, so you know, they went plenty fast and up up in front. So he probably. In that scenario, you sort of you pay the max for for being up wide and punching into it a, a little bit, but at the same time, it's not like he um, it's not like he ran up to win it and and just you know paid for that tougher run late in the piece there, and, and you could say he was unlucky. You know, easier run he maybe wins. I mean, he as you say, he ran about. He he didn't have a great day at the office, Profondo. So. I think when you go back and you look at his form from you know what he did at his his third start, I don't think there's any fluke about it. I don't. I mean. I don't think it's that he's sort of been vastly overrated or anything like that. I think he's just turned up here and, and had a bad day at the office. But you're right, for punters, what do you make of Profondo next time out? I assume he comes through this okay and, and we just press on and, and go to the Rose Hill Guineas and, and hope for a better day and hope that things work out a bit kinder for him and we get a chance to to see him really run his race and hopefully bounce back towards that 118. But um, when you've got now Hitotsu rated 120, and that's 120 with a bullet, he's he's going to be better than that again. Hitotsu, you know, we've got Convergent Animo running 123 up in up in Sydney. So Profondo was the the big promise of the spring, but they keep improving and they start improving quickly, and he's got to um he's got to keep pace with that now. So it um it becomes harder, that's for sure and certain. So yeah, really interesting. What do we do with you, kind of horse now, Profondo? Yeah, and the other thing about him heading back to Sydney is. Uh, sort of track that he's going to have to be racing on because these the Japanese um, stallions aren't renowned for throwing wet trackers and that was only a soft six uh, for the guineas there on Saturday but that was his first exposure to wet tracks I don't think the track was his main problem there but no. his three other runs up in New South Wales have all been on good tracks so 
that is just one other thing that is going to be bubbling away in the back part of his mind that they need to take into consideration when he does bob up back in Sydney again. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, he's going to be a lot of fun, isn't he? When you think about all these little all these little niggles, he was um, let's say somewhat surprising to to me. There were the two big colts that sort of came into the race with a bit of unknown and huge upside were Profondo and Hitotsu and. We'd seen Hitotsu get absolutely smashed off the boards in the derby, and it had crossed my mind that we might see something again with the, the sharp yard. In fact, that yard, those colours, there have been three, I reckon, real notable smash-up jobs in the betting in the last six months in Melbourne, and they've all been that stable, those colours. Hitotsu in the derby, Marine 1 in the Rubiton was, I think he was sort of 7-2 to two for four days, and then all of a sudden you refreshed, your, uh, you refreshed the page and he was 280 in the Rubiton, and... Yonce, when she won three back at, at Caulfield, was, was something similar. She was sort of 250, 260 off the top of my head, and then all of a sudden you hit refresh, and at one stage she's seventy. So I I had it in the back of my mind that maybe Hitotsu would you know would be really well fancied. He was soft and profondo was the one that the betting pushed towards, but um, the result certainly went the other way. So that's another little, yeah, wow, profondo will... Uh, he heads back to Sydney with a lot of question marks. Good fun for betting. Yeah, sure is. Um Maintaining the flop theory, you, you touched on um, Nature Strip. Um, yeah. What about Shelby 66 as well? Speaking of horses with a bullet. Um, yeah. Uh, be, we, we might what have to do you do? Board. The Shelby Award. We'll have to come up with something. <laughs> yeah. In a performance like, uh, like Shelby going forward. Yeah. It's a, um, it's a fascinating race for nerdy handicappers as well. Nerdy handicap is going to love this because it um, it asks a lot of questions. Because if you think about it in like rating horses based on a prior and you know, prior expectation and then observation or realization or whatever you want to call the the run itself, I mean we're expecting Eduardo to be somewhere in the he ran 119 first up, but with a peak of 125, and he's he's run that winning this race in the past, and second up's a big spot for him. So. I mean, realistically, we go to the races expecting Eduardo to run something like 125. Nature Strip's rated 129, and Shelby 66 is rated 89. What's he doing splitting them? <laughs> so the interesting question is, you know, the balancing act between um, between drawing Shelby 66, assuming he's run well up on his past, and, and how far below their best are the others. I think Nature Strip can do this. We know that he's got a he's got a history of of these sort of runs. You know, he, I think we can sort of almost write him and Splintex off as information we're not that interested in. Obviously, when you're rating races, the the winner's more, the most relevant runner, and the the second horse is the second most relevant runner, and and so on. So, um, eighty nine to one hundred and twenty five in terms of expected rating going into the race, the the middle ground there's about one hundred and seven, hundred and eight. So maybe you split the difference, and that actually the time figure is about one hundred and eight for for Eduardo as well. So the time might say he's run one hundred and eight. So has he managed to win a challenge stakes running to 108 and the best part of 18 pounds off his best? Um, maybe that is statistically the the spot most likely, but it is a uh, handicapper's conundrum, and there'll be um it'll be very interesting to see how everyone plays that and how everyone um, operates with it. Because in terms of mar- like modelling error as well, this is um this is a race that's going to have a huge margin for error on it. So um I think regardless of what you do, where Shelby sit? I mean Eduardo's got enough runs on the board and, and nature strips, you know, we know he can bounce back. There's, there's not a problem there really. Um, so we won't, it won't be too confusing with those two horses going forward. We sort of, we know what to expect. The market pretty much knows what to expect. So they're, but Shelby 66, geez, when he lobs up next time in a class three plate, what do we do, Brad? 
<laughs> well, he's, uh, he hasn't done himself any favours uh, from from a ratings point of view. But yeah, if you can find one of those races, the yeah, uh, the restricted win um, races, uh, they're the they're the ones that he. Uh, I don't think anyone's going to miss him anyway. I don't. I don't think you'll be getting um, any. Um, it's going to look. Um, it's a nice looking piece of form in the book, isn't it? Exactly. <laughs> no, really interesting handicappers conundrum. Anyway, I think the I think the the best answer is a hundred and seven with a question mark. And um, let's see him do it again, eh? Before we get, to, uh, yeah. yeah. He, that's, that's the other thing. It's not like he's had you know a dozen starts and he's he's just finding his feet. We've um we've seen plenty of Shelby sixty six. So um yeah, a uh, a very very interesting runner indeed. Now we get to the Jockey Awards now. And I'm happy who I'm happy when I ran up the numbers just before coming on. Before I'm happy with the answers that um, that spat out of the mighty machine for this one because they're two they're two that I'm really happy to give the awards away to. Now the Colin Morikara Award for the jockey who flushed it, got it right, hit it out of the middle of the irons on the weekend was W Pike on Halal, which is um yeah we're saying the the way that race was was run and the the pace of that race that the 116 that he got out of Halal was. Absolutely perfect. So let me just have a look here. We've got him running 99.5 and 36.9. So that equates to 101% on the knocker. And that is, um, we think, the perfect way to have ridden that horse in, in that race. So, um, yeah, he only backed up the, the Hobartville peak there. He ran to exactly the same number as he did in the Hobartville. And unfortunately, he couldn't improve with Animo from from that race. But um, the great William Pike got a, a sweet tune out of him all the same to get him to run to his peak. So, um that might be the the full halal. That that's probably now the the little query. You mentioned him heading towards a Doncaster. He's got a really nice profile for a Doncaster. But the little question mark will be: Can he win a Doncaster with a rating of one hundred and sixteen and not better? And what about this run? And where in this run do we think that he can improve from? So you're not going cold on him as a Doncaster chance, are you? Well, I think it's a. I mean. When you when you're winning Colin Morikara awards, we're we're thinking we're seeing something like the best of you. So um, his profile still says like a general profile. You can still improve a, a little bit with racing, but um, he's had a he had a big run in the Hobartville and then a nice opportunity to build on it here, and he was only able to to run to that level again. So I would be saying I've got some query that that might just be the ceiling, and if that is the ceiling, um, oh look, he still models out as a, a a decent Doncaster hope, but I, I would think you'd find a couple better. All right. So there you go. He gets in attractively, though. Yeah, he will. He will, for sure and certain. But I think um depends who goes there. But even, again, like, will Converge be heading that way? Because I don't think they can... Um, I want to see Converge go to 2,000 metres, but does he do that in the, the Queen Elizabeth after running in the Doncaster? Gay knows a thing or two about winning Doncasters. Yeah, well, he's got, and they can't get at him, so he's going to be he's going to be nice and low in there as well if he runs there, if he goes that way. He's got the invite into the All Star Mile. Um, I think the stable were letting Racing Vic know today whether he was going to take his place. As we record this, we're a couple of hours out from the finalisation of that field. So if he bobs up in that race, that means that's mm. where he's where he's heading next. And how does it time out? Can he run? Um he, he, he could, could almost run, all-star mile Doncaster and Queen Elizabeth. He could just about do the lot, couldn't he? Yep, 100% he could do that because there's two weeks between the Doncaster and the all-star mile. And then you've uh, you got the Queen Elizabeth on the, the 9th of April. Probably not the preparation 
most might have expected to see him have. But then again, Saturday's performance sort of took him yeah. to a new level. Yeah, that's right. He ran, um, he ran ahead of expectations a little bit, you'd have to say, on, on Saturday there. So um, I think everyone expected him to run better at a mile. I don't think everyone expected him to run to 123 and and look like he could run even better. So he's taken the step that you was probably more the hopeful step than the expected step that he took on Saturday. So, um, yeah, he's announced himself for any and all of those races, and personally, I hope it's all. All right, so Pikey, he gets the... He gets Colin that award. Morris. Now, you'd be excited to know who, who's getting the Mark Taylor Zara Pendrith award. award. Who wins it? We should rename it the Mark Zara Award, shouldn't we? Taylor Pendrith was at Bay Hill this morning, and he was briefly staring down the barrel of a top 20 finish, but, of course... His irons let him down. Just can't hit him out of the middle, Pendrith. And he finished about 46th. But the man who's making the Taylor Pendrith Award his own wins it again. Unbelievable, actually. I was chuckling to myself when I ran these up. But Mark Zara wins it again for his ride on Banker's Choice. All right, talk us through Banker's Choice. So Banker's Choice came across from New Zealand to run in the Blamey. And the blamey was farcical. They crawled in this race and sprinted home. And there's poor old Banker's Choice going slower than a lot of them, right out the back of the tail there, given no chance. Sprints home in, is it race best sectionals? It's got to be close. The, the markup is huge. 33-3 home. As good as the winner. Even a little bit, even a touch better than the winner from the 600 Banker's Choice. Just left with far too much to do, but he... um. Ran to a new peak all the same there. He, he came across off a string of wins in, in New Zealand, and this was a um, a very bright start, I would say, to, to racing in Australia. He'd beaten a nice one at um, at Trentham before coming over here in, in Coventina Bay, who's, yeah, she's she's good form over there, and, and she's won since. So, um, yeah, she's he's got a nice little bit of form over there in New Zealand. As I said, this was um, right up to that, even a little bit better, and he's got a lovely profile banker's choice. So... Set a task by Mr. Taylor Pendrith himself, Mark Zara, but ran really well, Banker's Choice, in a race that, um, for all that it was a slow race, it, it looks a um, a hot race, doesn't it? Because we're, we're going to see this form at the absolute forefront of all-star mile thinking with Zaki. I think doing enough, the way things set up, he, he wants a stronger pace than this for, for sure and certain, but he, he did his thing, an inspirational girl. She'd sort of set the platform for this, and we finally got to see her in in the eastern states with a um with a run under her belt. And we weren't disappointed, so she was straight back to her railway winning peak and um a little bit like a totsu at a peak here for sure and certain. But I I promise you, it won't be a peak by the end of her career. She'll um she'll outrun this number. She's better than one hundred and fifteen. I think she's a bit better than that. So um we'll see more from her. And, and yeah, she's um I know that there's the the big weight swing and and there'll be plenty of chit chat about the the big weight swing when we get to All Star Mile Day and Zaki will be fitter and she had the platform this time and he didn't so there's going to be and SPs as well so there's you know, Zaki will start shorter than her in the All Star Mile and he'll be he'll be very well fancy to turn the tables but no given I wouldn't have thought. Well, I'm I'm pretty keen on him. Um, I, I reckon that race the way it panned out was actually good for him for the remainder of the campaign. Mm, I do agree been- with that. He'd been prepared for that 1,300-metre race. They bob up in a mile race. Um, and it was a pretty soft mile race as well. So it would have been much better for him if they had been able to get the chockies. But um, won't take too much harm from that. It'll, be, it'll bring him on immensely. I reckon if they get similar conditions all-star mile day, like that soft five or soft six track, then I think he is clearly the horse to beat. Because that's my one little niggle with him still down here in Melbourne is the, the firmer tracks, which... 
is not what he was racing on when he was doing his best work up in Sydney and, and Queensland. Um, the fact that he was still able to win a race like the McKinnon and um, the Underwood Stakes as well, where with those that, that little niggle against him, just a mark of how good a horse he is. But when he gets everything in his favour... I think um, he'd be clearly the horse to beat there in the All Star Mile. Yeah, I don't think um, I wouldn't worry about him on firm ground because he was um, his best efforts in the UK were on Rattlers. That's how he, um, if anything, he was sort of he wanted to hear his who's rattle to, to run to his best over there. So I think he's, to be honest, I think he's he's probably just versatile in in regards to the ground. He's he's gone from the enigmatic horse that he was in the UK with talent to a, a much more reliable one. But what I think, yeah, I think you're bang on about this being a, a lovely platform for him. I know they would have been disappointed, obviously, not to to win when you when you walk to the races with a five to four shot and with you know obviously a horse that's got a big boom on him and and really highly regarded. But once they got over not actually landing the prize, everything else about this run they would have walked away pretty happy with. I think really nice little platform for two weeks time. So yeah, I think that's um, all star mile turn. Who would have thought it? You put up half the national debt of a of many countries, and, and you do get yourself a good horse race, but we've got a, a good horse race in the offing there with, with the All-Star Mile. 100%. Before we move on, uh, we, we might have actually moved on from the Tales of Pendrith Award, given we're talking about the Blamey Stakes uh, and uh, and Zaki and inspirational girls' prospects in the All-Star Mile, but I think the perception out there might have been that Michael D would have been a leading contender for the Taylor Pendrith Award yeah. for... But he's right on pinstripe. How did you how did you assess that? Because I, wow. I can see uh, he did put his hand up post race and said he would have liked that ride over again. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think it was more so maybe what happened in the early stages of the race than what happened in the latter stages. Because when you're in the situation that he found himself in at the 500 meter mark, m- more often than not, doing what he did is the right move. But it just didn't work out for him there. But Potentially, what happened earlier on in the race, where he found himself surrounded by horses, was maybe even a bigger blue than what happened in the straight. Yeah, possibly. In fact, he doesn't win the Taylor Pendrith Award because the Taylor Pendrith Award is about pace and not absolute train wrecks, which is what that ride. You know, that, I mean, and as you say, it wasn't. Um, look, the big field and high pressure, and there were plenty of horses stopping as well and crashing through the field. Like it was, it was that sort of race. There's always going to be one or two, but. Um, my goodness, that was <laughs> that was a uh, a grim grim watch. But he look, I've got him running to one hundred and eight off the one hundred and fourteen peak in the hay, so he's only six pounds down. So he's um to run that close to form, having basically been looking sideways and trying to go backwards for the the vast majority of the last six hundred meters. Um, it's pretty easy to think. So Hitotsu ran to one hundred and twenty, lightsaber one hundred and eighteen, and it's I don't know. I it's always wildly speculative about how. You know, was he a moral beat, blah, blah, blah. He was beaten four lengths. You know, I don't know. But, gee, it's hard not to think that he's in the finish with those 118, 20 horses. So he, um, yeah, he's probably nailed on to have improved on that 114 on, on another day. But um, it didn't work out for him. So the good, that's the good news. I suppose when, um, when they do get the smelling salts to Enver and he comes around, they'll, um, <laughs> he will be able to take some satisfaction in the fact that he has got a very, very good racehorse on his hands. And... Um, yeah, he, you can add him to the mix of these exciting three-year-olds who we're, we're pretty pumped about because um, there's a fairly big hole. Last year's three- to four-year-old crop was awful. This year's two-year-old crop is shaping awful. So this three-year-old group, um, 
they might have to do a fair bit of propping up over the next 12 months. We're going to need them to be winning a lot of races. I think they will be winning a lot of races and there's going to be a lot of races out there for them. So um, Pinstriped is one of those. Surely we haven't seen the, the best of Pinstriped just yet. No, it was, uh, it was hard to get over on Saturday night. But for those that were on, interesting talk that plenty of people want him in the All-Star Mile. I think he'd be fantastic if he uh, – it'd be good to see him there. But I think there's some, some better credential types that um, my likes of Mawunga and Cruz who probably deserve a spot before he does. I, does, I don't think Mawunga wants a spot. Could be wrong. Um, I think he was talking – they've been talking George Riders with him and – Shoring up that sort of the group one, if you like, and, and shuffling him off to stud. So, um, I without knowing exactly what what sort of horses Mwunga aside, he, he whose spot he might be taking, I'd be putting him in pinstriped. I think he'd be an interesting horse in there because, as I said, he surely he's in the finish of this, and if he's in the finish of this, he's um he's riding the coattails of the, the horses at the pointy end of the of the All Star Mile as well. So, I think I think the three year olds will measure right up to the All Star Mile. So. Yeah, I hope he. I hope he does get a spot, and if he gets a run, I hope he gets a run at them. Yeah. <laughs> and he will have plenty of fans on his side, like you say. With uh, Enver's a popular figure down here, and he, he didn't get the luck on Saturday, so he deserves a big payday. Maybe it'll come in a couple of weeks. Yep, absolutely. So, um, sometimes you get the split, sometimes you don't. Pinstripe didn't, but um, an exciting horse to follow from your perspective, and. I don't think it's even from your perspective. I think it is just full stop an exciting horse to follow. Did get the splits when she needed them, and my goodness, didn't she make the most of them in Yonce in the last. She's uh, your exciting horse to follow. Yeah, she's a bit like last week. One that we're going to have to be patient with, though, because I think she has got Empire Stakes written all over her in a few months' time. Look, already looking forward to Derby Day. I am. It's my favourite day of the year, and I've already got the, the winner. You, you've been raving about the Frank Packer plate for several weeks now. Mm. I'm looking even further ahead uh, because it's remarkable what she's been able to do as she gets deeper and deeper into this initial initial preparation for Kirima and David Eustace. She keeps springboarding. That was her first look at effect, rain-affected ground on Saturday, and she's gone to a new peak. Flemington, her two best performances have been there. So, um, yeah, I think if they... Hopefully, put her away now. Look after her and set her for that six hundred meter race on Derby Day. She's going to be one that is going to be very, very hard to beat because she looks well above average. Yeah, she's just a, a perfect um, example of this. This Ma used to let's call them a juggernaut because she is um, she is just exploding with with racing. The Caulfield win mentioned it before. She was heavily, heavily backed, and I thought it was just a win. The you know the time was okay. She was strong. You know she was okay, but it looked to me like that might be her leveling out. And then she just exploded off that to to win at Flemington two starts ago, and and that big peak. You know she wouldn't have even had to improve off that. I wouldn't have thought to to win on Saturday, but my God, she did. The um again we've got a rate at one hundred going from one hundred and three to one hundred and eight, but it's one hundred and eight. It's not the one hundred and eight that's exciting. It's it's what's What's underneath that 108? It's 108 and she's 10 pounds better than that potentially. The closing speed that she showed when those gaps open compared to the rest of that field are, um, yeah, she wins by three lengths, but it's bigger than that. She's panelled them. And Gentleman Roy's in red-hot form. Savannah Cloud's a useful horse at this level and, and so is Basawa. There were half a dozen last-start winners in this race. So, you know, in terms of benchmark 84s, this was a good one and she absolutely smashed them. So, yeah, I mean, she's... 
I don't think it's going out on a, a big limb to, limb to say she's a group horse. It's a slightly bigger limb that you're leaning out there with um, <laughs> the Empire Rose, but I couldn't look at that and tell you no. She could absolutely do that. And, um, yeah, I don't know what they – I mean, as I said before, whatever they decide to do with her and however they decide to get there, I'll um, I'll be trusting them along for the ride. The one I was going to throw up, and we'll, we'll end on that, is um, – from the Canterbury Stakes, the other Group 1, if you like, up, up in Sydney there. It, it had a bit of a wet weather feel about it, but it was very much one up on speed by Forbidden Love, who basically backed up the, the good 1,400-metre run on the heavy last week. As I said, very like-for-like, like, I think, the, the track conditions Saturday to Saturday, and she she relished it again, Forbidden Love, but the horse to follow for mine was Private Eye, running into the, the finish the way he did. I loved that little bit of late work that, that he did, as I said, in a, in a race that was run and won, you know, away from, from where he was, but... For what he did, I know he's beaten over four lengths, but we've got him running to 108 plus. He ran to 107 plus with big sectionals when he resumed last prep. Then he didn't go on with it in a couple of starts, but he got into awkward spots and then peaked fourth up mile. I don't know where Joe Pride intends to, to peak him. I would have assumed that he's um, probably third up Doncaster. I'm going to guess that's that's sort of the the path that that he's on. He ran to 116 when he hit his absolute peak in, in the spring. I think he's back at least as well this time around. Four-year-old gelding for, for Joe Pride. He's still two or three years off his peak for Joe Pride, private eye. So um, plenty more good racing ahead of him. But, yeah, I think he's he's back in outstanding order. And if private eye isn't the horse to follow, Joe, Joe Pride is a good stable to be following anyway because he's, um, he's an absolute top-notch stable and he's a, a great betting stable, I reckon, as well. You can you can sort of peer through Joe Pride. You can see where he's... um. He's very good at setting the pins up and knocking them down just when you expect him to. So, Private Eye, third up somewhere? Yes. He knows that'll win a Doncaster too. Indeed, indeed. And for whatever reason, wet tracks, always, whenever it's pouring rain, there's Joe Pride bobbing up with winners, I reckon. Yep, 100%. I had this discussion with someone about two months ago. He, I think he's uh, the best wet track trainer in the country. That's something that maybe you can, um, you can delve into hmm. there. Delve into the, the data and um, he's got the slip and slide out there at Warwick Farm, getting them yeah, all ready for wet he, tracks. Whatever he does, he, he, whatever he does, some of the, he does it well. Some of the some of the better ones, um, Sacred Choice. He won. Um, yeah, she was a duck. Many races on Vision the and Power. Yep. Yeah. Eduardo, I love him. Eduardo. Yeah, as I said, he's a fantastic trainer of. Um, Wet track as he's also. I'd hate to pigeonhole him though as well because I think he's probably terrific at whatever he does. But um, a gelding like Private Eye has a uh, a really nice Joe Pride feel about him. So um, yeah, I love that return and and surely he finds a race somewhere that he can knock off. Might be the Doncaster. Might be the Doncaster. All right, been a pleasure speaking to you, Brad. Good fun. We'll do it all again later in the week, I assume. All right, speak to you then.